Welcome back to Infinity Watchers, where we talk all things DC, Extended, and Universes. I'm Jared, joined as always by John, and you are listening to our bonus episode on the Suicide Squad, written and directed by James Gunn, the edgelord himself. So we decided to do this bonus episode, one, because of how much we both loved this movie, and two, we thought it was appropriate given gun's connection to uh the mcu and well, mcm and the um background to which this movie was made the history behind it has a lot of tie-ins to the mcu and it's also personally going to reflect my <laughs> probably what i think of volume guardians volume three coming out in a few years yeah i mean even just down to the cast list has a large amount of mcu alums right Right. Sorry, I'm just going to have to be careful to stay on script before uh, so Jared doesn't detonate the, the bomb that he planted in my head. <laughs> You're on thin ice, Perrichin. <laughs> my, my, th- my thumb is on the trigger right now, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I think I think before we talk about this, we need to give just a little bit of backstory to, to how this was made because of <laughs> because of the nature of it. Um, so back in, was either, I believe it was 2016 or 2017, uh, David Ayer released a version of the Suicide Squad, just called Suicide Squad, that didn't age well and has a lot of didn't have a lot of critical acclaim, even though it did well at the box office. Um, it was essentially a hot topic commercial. Uh, that whole movie went through a production hell of having two cuts of one movie brought together to give the theatrical release. There was the air cut. Then there was one that was created by a trailer house that were merged together by executives because they weren't apparently things or the movie wasn't testing well with audiences. So then we got the theatrical release and it is an absolute hot garbage mess that makes uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, characters are really bad in it. And there aren't any states for what should be a very high stakes action movie. Um, then it was the summer of 2019, I believe, that James Gunn is fired from doing Guardians 3 over a series of old tweets that had resurfaced in what fans typically consider a right wing hit job of digging up past. Uh, past things that Gunn has said and done. He's apologized for multiple times and executives at Disney decided to fire him over it from completing volume three. And he would have been the, he would have been the first director to finish a, a Marvel trilogy, but uh, decided not, or they, they wouldn't let him. So as within weeks of him being fired, DC picked him up and said, you can make whatever you want. We'll give you the budget. Here's a blank check have at it do whatever you want and his only stipulation was that the movie had to be r he wanted to do the suicide squad but it had to be rated r and they said go ahead you take whichever characters you want do whatever yep. you want with them and it's all yours you have carte blanche on this project and so we have the suicide squad now and this is james gunn turned up to 20 30 40 like no oh, this yeah. might this might be his best, in my opinion. It it was really great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it had all of the emotional highs that you kind of expect 
from a gun movie with all of the mm-hmm. gore and violence that you would expect of a Suicide Squad movie, right? Right. I mean, I thought Jared Leto as the Joker was really great. Um, <laughs> what, did I watch the wrong one? <laughs> you liked uh, just the random cutting. Uh, you, the, uh, you, what'd you think of the Enchantress and her, her brother that was introduced in the last act? Or no, I'm sorry, he was introduced in the title card for her character. <laughs> oh boy but yeah uh on all in all seriousness i mean i thought this was a lot of fun (laughs) and i'm i'm glad i'm glad this movie was able to happen i'm so happy it was able to happen and this this broke my top five of the year already i I don't know where it's gonna sit yet we still have half a year to go but it's definitely in the top five for me um i went and saw this in a theater with two friends from high school we uh we had kind of an impromptu um, high school reunion because uh, one of my friends got got married last year, but they had their anniversary party this weekend um, because of COVID. And um, so a few of us decided to go see this uh, Saturday at a theater. And my God, I could not tell you the bit, how big of a smile I had on my face from start to end. Yeah. <laughs> like the mo- the moment you heard Folsom Prison Blues until the very end, like I couldn't stop smiling. It was so happy, mm-hmm. and so much fun. Funny enough, there were only like five other people in the theater, like eight other people in the theater with us, two of which were about seven or eight years old. Oh no! <laughs> Parents brought their kids to this. Well, and like it was a little, it was a little awkward. It's a little yeah. weird. <laughs> um, but before. Before I watched this, I decided to go back and watch some of Gunn's older stuff. Uh, I didn't want to watch the Guardians movies because I've seen them en- enough times to understand them. And I knew this wasn't going to be anything like that, like either of those. So I went and watched Slither and Super again. Uh, Super has not aged well in any sort of way. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some elements of it that are great. There's some elements of it that are horrifying. Um, and Slither is just a fun time. Um, Slither was like a B-grade horror movie. It was Gunn's first feature outside of Troma Studios, and it shows. Um, Super was his first foray into superhero movies. Uh, it was kind of a DIY superhero movie that, for a character he made up himself. Uh, is a Frank is a uh, Christian man who thinks that he's been touched by God to become the crimson bolt and goes and beats people with a wrench. And it's, it's insane. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And slither is about these like alien slugs that come down to earth and like infect individuals and like grow to become like this, this legion like organism. Um, there are a lot of elements of slither in suicide squad. Should we just talk spoilers in this? No, no holds bar. Yeah, I would say it's going to be really hard to not spoil things. So full spoilers ahead for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I don't I don't even know where to start with this because there's just so much to talk about. We're not going to go scene by scene. Uh, well, well, just start well, with that opening scene. I, I think we should start with the right. opener um, with the introduction of uh, Savant and introducing the rest of the, the squad um, as well as like the, the storm in the beaches. So we get we get great character introductions and we get like some reference to the old the first Suicide Squad when. Harley Quinn comes on board and like starts to say, Hey flag, how you doing? Hey boom, boom. Or what are you doing here? Like yeah. you can tell it. Like, some of these characters have worked with each other before. And like, there's some history to, to their, uh, to their banter. 
I really liked all the little cameos in there with Nathan Fillion as TDK, the detachable yep. kid, aka arm fall off boy. <laughs> and um Weasel, who's literally an animal. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, like how Weasel. much poor Weasel. Like how much so Weasel is an actual character from the comics, but it's a person named Weasel. Yeah. And they just decided to make him an outright animal in this. And Flag mentions at one point, like he, oh yeah, he signed on to this. He's fine with it, but he's like, he's literally an, an yeah, a wild animal. Like he yep. killed twenty seven kids, but like, what? But, what do you? Do? I mean, you know how prisons work, though. Like, did you think he really killed twenty seven kids, or do you think he's just like a weird weasel, weasel thing running around? I mean, I'd say, <laughs> uh, I mean, he, his death, like being the first one to die. <laughs> And the way they played it off, too, of who did anybody check to see if he could swim? Like a true government organization. It's like they didn't do their homework. That and uh, um, Bloodsport eventually when they find out about his rat phobia and they teamed him up with someone who controls rats. They were like, did no one check this out? I thought that was that was good. Uh, The scenes all back at the headquarters were really great, I thought. Well, I think what's great is like I feel like Gunn was trolling on the original Suicide Squad because like. This this is almost almost beat for beat with the with the original one. Even like some of the talking points are almost taken straight out of the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I like the fact that they made like this government bureaucracy be incompetent because the first one they're like real high high. They have a lot of technology. They're highly efficient. And, like they know everybody's moves at every single point. Yeah, and it just it didn't feel real. But now that we actually see people working in there betting on who's going to die first yeah <laughs> like waller even i think viola davis is incredible in this yeah she takes her as waller i don't think dc other than Margot robbie as harley quinn i don't know if they could have done a better casting uh, other than viola davis as amanda waller like she just ratchets up the performance to yeah to she 30. owns she owns her scenes like the last one, she was just cold. This one, she is an outright psychopath. Yes, <laughs> and ruthless. Like yeah, she, she's not afraid to threaten Bloodsport with his daughter. He's not. She's not afraid to to kill. She doesn't hesitate to kill. I mean, she like, killed the whole party that was going to the beach, right? Like, yeah, she knew that that was a distraction. Like, they were all going to die. So, right? But, yeah, just brutal, <laughs> brutal tactics. Oh. Uh, but I like how just they they played up the marketing on this movie a lot to where they were showing off every character in every sort of way. All of the cast did interviews in character and like talked up all of their characters all yeah. for literally all but five sits of them to die in the first five yep. minutes. Yeah, including including Boomerang from the first one. Mm-hmm. Like they even gave all the all of the returning characters like upgraded suits and like upgraded weapons and tech and (laughs) they just kill them off um i i love tdk as the the detachable kid where he's like just a person that his arms can float but they can only move at like walking speed (laughs) yeah they can only start slapping people (laughs) that was that was the best part of the beach scene for me because (laughs) i expected some epic showing like his arms were gonna ratchet over he was gonna choke people but no they just like mildly inconvenienced (laughs) and he gets (laughs) his arms get shot and he's just writhing on the ground in pain (laughs) how did this man ever commit a crime before (laughs) oh just hilarious 
uh, all of those. I mean, some of them were pretty tragic. Like Bo- Captain Boomerang's death was pretty um, sad, sort of, just the way he kind of like smiled at Harley. And I was- audibly gasped when he died. Like, oh no, yeah. we're, we're killing off anybody is anybody yeah. can go now. Yeah, like we're not just saving the old characters for the end. Like for anybody sure. can go at any time. <laughs> and then when uh when Javelin died and Harley didn't know what to do with his Javelin and it was the running gag for the movie and ended up being used in the final fight as like the killing blow basically, which is awesome. Um, But I think we did a great introduction uh, to the actual Suicide Squad of Bloodsport, Peacemaker, Ratcatcher 2, Nanawe, and um, Polka Dot Man. Yep. Did into. Uh, and then Harley's kind of off on her own for half the movie. And then Flad's kind of off on his own for part of it. Um, yep. But I think we did a great introduction. I think Bloodsport is a much more interesting character than Deadshot. Um, and I like how they cast Idris Elba thinking that they were going to put him as as Deadshot. Yeah. And then some, him and some of the producers thought, well, Will Smith might want to come back. So we'll just put him in as Bloodsport. And Oh my god! I want now. I want a Bloodsport v Superman movie. Like I want to see that yeah. that play out mm-hmm. of this what like highly intelligent assassin taking on a god. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he says he put him in the ICU already. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess one. I think what we should do is go through each of these um, characters of the quote unquote real Suicide Squad. <laughs> or yeah. the survivor squad for the most part survivor um, squad yeah i liked that so with Bloodsport, yeah i totally agree with you i thought idris elba was incredible like i mean he he was uh, we've seen idris elba play this type of character before but you know just in this universe playing off of some of the things he does his rivalry with peacemaker when they're <laughs> in that the, the really brutal scene when they're going through the the um the village, um, the village, and just shooting people as they come out, and just trying to one up each other every single time was <laughs> fantastic. Um, and then you know the emotional connection with him and his daughter is kind of just like a, a classic. Actually, uh, I actually felt emotion. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. fact that he because it was he... a real relationship. Like it wasn't like his daughter was coming to see him, and she was so happy to see him while he was in jail. Like no, she's mad at him for being in jail. She's stealing stuff herself because he's a bad father. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they, it was portrayed like so real by the actor. He, he 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 gets mad at her for stealing something stupid, as opposed to doing anything worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love this interpretation of this character. Um, should we go with Peacemaker next? Yeah, let's hit Peacemaker. Oh boy. Yeah, Cena, he's the man. Oh, he's the man. I didn't see him through his whole movie, did you? No, I just saw a floating silver helmet. Yeah, so did I. And I, I love the fact that he's been doing all of his interviews in costume. Yeah. All his press tour, everybody else is like dressed up, and he is completely in the get-up, in the Peacemaker. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I I love, oh my God, this this character and this in John Cena as like this ultra psychopathic right wing extremist who wants nothing but peace at all costs. Just it, it works too well. Like that, the quote that I just, I keep, 
I, I'll never get sick of is the I love I love peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, or children <laughs> yeah. I have to kill to get it. Yeah, <laughs> and he he demonstrates it too. Like he it's, he's not just talk, you know. Like he puts money where his mouth is. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I, I love that we're getting a a series of of this character. I want to see what they do with him now. Yeah, they definitely pulled a little fake out with his death. I thought at that point I was like, oh, it's going to be a prequel. Like, yeah, that's what I thought too. Very interesting. Like, um, I actually would have been more interested if it was a prequel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was shocked when when he died at the hands of Bloodsport. But his character was just unbelievable. And you know, we'll touch on Flag too. But his fight with Flag and how they shot that in the helmet. Oh my god! Was amazing. What what it reminded me of was, you know, just showing a fight from a unique angle, um, you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to relate this back to Marvel in the, the opening scene when we see the fight kind of through the lens of Groot. Like we see Groot dancing around, but the fight's happening oh, yeah. in the background. Like it's not the immediate focus, but you can kind of tell what's going on. Like that's what the, the helmet fight reminded me of, but just even yeah. more brilliant. Like I, I just to not have the reflection of the camera show either. It's <laughs> almost pretty crazy. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, wizardry to do something like that. And to be able to clearly tell what's going on in the fight. Oh, yeah, that could have easily been a mess in the wrong hands of oh, just a giant, sure. like, red and yellow blur, like, combining. But and how risky. I mean, that was the most, like, emotional fight scene of the film, you mm-hmm. know, and they shot so much of it in that in that helmet, and it worked so well. Yeah, let's do uh, Nanawe next, Ken Shark, who was... Uh, Motion captured by uh, Steve Ag, who is uh, John Economos, aka the uh, the big guy in the office, but he was voiced by Rocky himself, Sylvester Stallone, huh. and I just I fell in love with this character. Yeah, he was he was cool. Gun Gun has a way of making everybody fall in love with anthropomorphic objects and animals. Yeah, between sure. Groot, between Groot and this. And and specifically those that talk like children, um, like there was a point at the end where like the little the little fish were eating him, and I I audibly like almost reached out and like like got into it and like I thought he was done. Him off. I thought I so thought too. Was, the, I thought he was everyone, done. And the army started shooting him. I'm like no, yeah. don't like don't kill. I know. Him. I was like heartbroken. I thought he was gonna die, but you know he. I mean he's the descendant of a shark god, so. <laughs> I wonder if we'll get him in uh, in any of the Aquaman movies coming up. That'd be cool. I wonder <laughs> if Aquaman can like speak to him. <laughs> but yeah, I I mean, I really felt for this character. They do a great job of of making him feel isolated, and you feel empathy for him. Like when they're all in the nightclub, he just I mean, he just wants a, a connection of some sort, and he can't yeah. have it because he's literally a shark. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and I really liked this this interpretation of him. It it's a great contrast from the the Harley Quinn series on HBO Max. Have you watched any of it? I haven't watched that. Okay. Um that it, it's like a complete 180 because on that show it's it's Ron Funches that voices him and he's basically an IT nerd. What? <laughs> they they like did a complete 180 on the character. What huh. one only one of the lines I can think of off the top of my head is uh, he in one episode he mentions, "Oh yeah, I'm not good with blood," and so everyone just assumed like, "Oh, he's not good around blood." And some blood fell in the water around him, and he just turns into this vicious monster all of a sudden. Oh wow! <laughs> this, 
they say, oh, that's what he meant by he's not good with blood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I liked this interpretation of making him an outsider. Um, Like he sees the couple kissing. He's in the nightclub scene. He's seen sitting back by himself in the van. Um, He wants to be in a disguise like everyone else and like tries to fake having a mustache. mustache. Um, But then to like come around to have a family and friends at the end just like made me tear up yeah definitely he uh, the um just the scene of him bouncing in the aquarium when those little fish oh. are following him and he was so happy <laughs> and they try to kill him <laughs> and it's funny because they they were in the shape of his body because they were trying to attach to his body to eat him <laughs> which is right. sad, you know <laughs> oh. oh boy who do we uh hit next milton polka dot man okay wait who's milton <laughs> milton was with us what <laughs> well what's, um, what's 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 funny about milton is like in that scene where he's uh where they end up starting to talk about him like i saw him in the background like why is he with them and then all of a sudden yeah. he gets blasted like, <laughs> and they reference it what yeah the, what the hell <laughs> Why did he come with us? <laughs> it's like he's helping us out. <laughs> like um, he was putting charges up on the walls and everything, and they didn't realize that he was with them. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, um, polka dot man. Ooh. Oh, the, the the body horror, the emotional weight, the comedy, <laughs> the, all of the bits with him seeing his mother everywhere when they showed. <laughs> The, the rest of the squad as his mother it was like there's his mother as a shark for king shark <laughs> like <laughs> even i i didn't catch this but i did see someone else pointed out but the um rat on rat catcher's shoulder has like this glasses that the, the mother does yeah yeah <laughs> like so great and they call back to that and the perfect the perfect like the just right amount of times without being too much and without pointing it out, really, like mm-hmm. the club scene when all of his mothers are dancing around him, like just, just so good. <laughs> and it always takes a second to kick in that this is what's, yeah, what this what is he's, happening? Yes, just messed up. Like it goes from like sad that that she abused him so bad, and to just being kind of the messed up, weird Stockholm thing. <laughs> <laughs> Until he takes on Starro at the end. <laughs> you just yeah. see a giant version of her walking by. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a fascinating character. And I love that they took this really stupid character from the comics and like made him three-dimensional. Because in, in the comics, like he literally just throws polka dots at people. He's a bank robber, I think. And that's like he's the equivalent of condiment king of yeah. doing <laughs> of doing nothing. And to give him like this inner intergalactic virus that he has to collect every night or else he'll die is yeah. kind of neat. And the fact that he was an, an experiment gone wrong. Um, I I didn't think that uh, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. David Desmalchian. Mm-hmm. I didn't given that he's only had a few smaller roles in some of the things I've seen him in. Um I'm glad that he got a lot more screen time in this. I really like, I, I always thought of him as a knockoff David Tennant by the way he looks. Um, he does look a lot like him. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really like what he did with this character. And it turns out he actually has a, um, apparently he has a disease that's 
very similar to what Polka Dot Man has. Uh, it's called um, that causes like it causes like skin huh. like your skin to discolor in different ways. And kids would call him Polka Dot when he was younger. Really? So like yeah. So wow. like he. Um, give me one second. Let me look up the name of it. Vitiligo. Vitiligo. Like your your skin looks patchy from the way that um, like certain cells have died, and like er- certain areas of your skin won't um, don't have melanin in it. Um, so I mean, it, it looks like polka dots at times, and so like he would get made fun of all the time as a child for for having that condition. So. He, he was glad that he was able from what i've read he was glad he was able to bring that aspect to this character yeah that's really neat that's very interesting very unique background to fit to a character yeah we also get uh rat catcher 2 oh my gosh my favorite character in the movie actually the heart of the movie yeah who would have thought that the 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 moral of the movie would be relayed to us by taika <laughs> i i know right like what what a what a scene like for him to just have those few lines and to bring out I that cried. much emotion i cried like even rats have their place like oh my gosh like that's the whole oh that's it just summed up right there and the I mean, fact that the fact they changed his character too to be an addict that like doesn't feel he has purpose except for controlling rats and like yeah. living with rats and his daughter starts to feel the same way yeah, and she, I mean, she is, that shows how horrible Waller is too, because she's a, um, Ratcatcher 2 is a non-violent criminal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she robbed the she, bank, like she stole. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it just, she was such a great character and really kind of just became the little sister of the whole crew, you know, like yeah. they all were looking out for her. And I, um, <clears throat> I was totally expecting her to die just because of the way they were setting her up as like and the this emotional person, everyone yeah like she's at the emotional center of the team she's the reason they're all kind of bonding with each other pretty much and pointing out the flaws that they all have and see i i not say i have a theory but i have a feeling that guns specifically chose which characters were going to live based on how he feels how he as a person is because yeah, uh, as I mentioned at the top of, of this episode, like, he has a shady past. Like the stuff he did at Troma is outright vile, <laughs> vile. <laughs> Anything yeah. Troma put out in like the nineties or two thousands was absolutely vile. Um, I mean, I had to watch the Thoughts of Avenger for school, and it's it's a trip. Um, so I think part of him still feels remorse for those things that he's helped do or produce in the past. And this is kind of his way of trying to make peace with it. And in one way or another, I mean, Bloodsport ends up becoming a leader in the end and like comes to realize that he has worth. Uh, Ratcatcher too, like she, she and her father, like, as you said, state the theme of the movie of like, we all have some worth. I mean, if rats who are the, the lowliest of the low have something to provide, we all do. Yeah. Um, Nanawe is the outsider. Who's never felt connect? Who's never felt connection to anybody? Polka dot man. He dies. Oh right, 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 right. He gets crushed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Harley, she's basically the embodiment of what Gunn has tried to do for the past few years. Um, she wants to change from her toxic past for the better, and 
I mean, she kills a guy who she sees as similar red flags to from when she was with the Joker. So I, I feel like he has some personal connection to all these characters that he chose to have them live as opposed to everybody else. That's, yeah, that's why I wanted. To, that's why I wanted to save Rick Flad for last because Rick, while um, while he's a great character, and I love that he is so much better in this than he was in the first Suicide mm-hmm. Squad. I think it's it's a sin what they did to him in in that first one with making him fall in love with Judy Moon or or the Enchantress. <laughs> it that never should have happened, and I I I truly don't know who okayed that. But to make him this hardline military veteran and uh, combat expert who only wants to do right by his country, but not to the level of peacemakers yeah, uh, covering up and right. He wants to do what's right. And to your point about that shot of the fight between uh, flag and peacemaker in the helmet, like there's, there's some artistic weight to that too, that we see this very blurred fight between these two contrasting views of what to do with this data i mean i guess we should say say at this point that starro is one of the main villains of this um and waller's mission for them is to go destroy the remnants of of what's in the jodenheim um which i before we started this i watched the like the first half of it again and when she said it 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 occurred to me that she she's speaking in double speak there because we all think from either from watching the promos or just having some insight that what she means is getting rid of Starro completely. But right. in reality, she means get rid of America's involvement in any of this. We don't we exactly. want to cover this up. And so having Peacemaker and Flag kind of square off against each other, I think, is a genius move of having these two extremes fight in like this blurred, contorted image. Yeah. Um, in the reflection. So I I was a little upset to see him die. I heard somebody say they hope he comes back, but I, I don't think he's coming back. Like no, they, they, he's not they coming show, back. No, they show the, the tile goes straight into his heart. Like, it's, yeah, they did the Mortal Kombat fatality view. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, like we get to see the inside and we watch it pierce his heart. And that was to say that he's gone. Yeah. And so, it takes a lot of weight away from the movie if you bring him back. Yeah. Yeah, that death was that death was pretty heartbreaking for me cuz I I really like yeah. I really liked his character in this film. Yeah. And I I love how he just is the straight him and Bloodsport are supposed to be the straight man men to this whole crew. Um even Bloodsport's kind of an idiot at times though whenever he starts to get into it with Peacemaker. Um what are your thoughts on on harley quinn in this i thought she was awesome yeah i mean she i don't know how i felt i like the stylistic choices of her like side quest type thing that she did where Mm -hmm. she you know got basically like wifed up by that guy and i like that they kind of showed that she's really breaking from joker even more now and just (laughs) like in the extreme other direction to where if she sees a red flag, she's just killing the guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it, it's funny because she's still like trying to find that middle ground, but she can't cause she's like insane. <laughs> so Did... she's, um, or insane's not a very sensitive word to use, but like, she's not, um, she's a criminal, right? Like she's not, she's not thinking of, 
she goes from one extreme to doing whatever Joker says to the other extreme of as soon as she sees a red flag, she shoots the guy like instantly. So um, it, it's funny to see her try to find the middle ground. Well, and, did you uh, see Birds of Prey? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the way I saw it is this is just continuing her arc in, in here exactly. from that. I yep. mean, the first Suicide Squad, we see the two, her and Joker together. And then Birds of Prey starts off with them immediately breaking up and yep. her dealing with the fallout of that of that breakup. And now this is her saying, oh, well, uh, I've dealt with guys like you before. Uh, you never leave me alone, so I need to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the I way it's like done, that... the way it's done, too, is just amazing. Yeah. I, I, the second time I watched, I still jumped at the gunshot, even though I knew it was con- coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. it it did feel a little bit like a diversion from the main plot, but I get why, why you had to, had to throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have, you know, for runtime sake, kind of cut a lot of that and put it in just, you know, she's a prisoner and she has to escape now. Um, but I thought it was interesting and, uh, added a sad little part when the birds died. <laughs> oh, Oh, R.I.P. the birds. There were too many birds that died in yeah. this. <laughs> yep. But then, um, yeah, I thought her escape sequence was amazing. <laughs> kind of calling back to her hallucinations that she has. and <laughs> The flowers coming part, up out of nowhere. And yeah, the... <laughs> my favorite part, though, is like when she's in the cab and inside the building, you can still see all the like flowers and confetti <laughs> yeah. and birds flying around. But it's not out with her. Like it's still like she left it in there. Like she killed right. all this. I thought that was really, really great. <laughs> she just gets in the car with a javelin. No questions asked. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, she's fun in every every movie she's been in. So I I really liked liked her part. The jokes about Milton, the jokes with the thinker when they're like interrogating him and laying the rules. I thought those were all pretty great. And and you know her her kill shot on Starro was awesome too. Really cool, really cool shot there. Which Starro in and of himself was a is an incredible character in this too, because at first like he's played up to be this massive villain, and then you realize that he was a prisoner too. Like he, yeah, he didn't want any of this. Yep, he didn't and, want it. Oh my gosh the the amount of character development that James Gunn packed into effectively one line with the <sighs> like I was happy floating, staring at the stars. Like, yeah. Oh my god! Like in that moment, like I completely flipped. Like, oh no, this is horrible. That's because the Americans sad. captured him. Because you, then you, your mind immediately goes back, and this is fully intentional, but like immediately goes back to the, the footage of him just floating there when they pulled him in, and then he started feeding, and you know mm-hmm. it was just heartbreaking. It's so sad. Like he was just, he was just floating, like his one eyeball looking at the stars, and became a prisoner and tortured and you know the thinker really tortured him but yeah just i I think it's implied he did some other things to him as well a little bit (laughs) i mean he says he had his way with me so uh i don't know exactly Uh, what they're implying there speaking of the thinker what did you what were your thoughts on on that (laughs) what did i think of the thinker yes i I like peter capaldi a lot i mean i'm a huge fan of him from his time on doctor who yeah um and I thought he did a good job here. I mean, he he served his purpose. He was creepy, and uh, I don't really know how else to describe him. I mean, I thought I mean, Capaldi did a good job. The character, I, I get why he was there. Um, yeah, I mean, just me personally, I feel like there wasn't enough of him. Yeah, we didn't get enough of what 
he does, like why he said Starro would listen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, we just know he's worked with him for 30 years, but yeah, like why? Like what's your interest in doing this? He yeah. doesn't have any real political affiliation as we end up finding out. He's literally just there to, to watch and study Starro. Yeah, so I wonder what his uh what his motives actually were. We won't know now. But, no, that um, was gruesome way like yeah. Starro just like he pulls at him and yeah, pulls squishes him and arm off and then splats yeah. him on the wall. But back to Starro, like I I get nervous in these in some of these movies about the third act and like Gun just dropped the bomb on on it and nailed it because this easily could have turned into um, the bad guys become semi good guys and end up killing an even badder guy. But the fact that gun wrote in, wrote in that characterization to Starro just shows how much uh, America is really the villain. And Waller really is the villain of this. Oh yeah. Waller was the villain for sure. Looking back, you know, and I said this, we were, my friends and I were talking about this after the movie, but like after we saw it, but like this is the most punk comic book movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Gun literally just flipping the bird to, to the studio system of saying, I'm making what I want to make with who I, with what I want to <laughs> do. There's nothing you can really do about it. I, I know DC gave him some minor notes, but really gave him most control over it. I feel um, like the notes were make Harley Quinn survive, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> like, don't go Harley, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, or, and bring back Peacemaker. Yeah. For a, for a movie about a, a group of ragtag misfits turning their back on the system that threatens to kill them constantly and to have to take down an enemy that isn't really their enemy just because that system is telling them to is a great reflection of what gun had to do with the guardians movies of, yeah, I have to sacrifice some, some agency to get what I want made. And that's what makes me nervous about guardians volume three is that after this, I feel, I feel like, like he had to do that more than one than two. I think two, they gave him an open book minus like, you know, you can't kill off the guardians, but that's not really no, the I, point. And he I, still I did. Say, I wouldn't say he would kill anybody off necessarily, yeah. but unless he needed to, but they wouldn't let him make it R rated though. If no, he wanted, I don't think no, because Marvel's too family friendly. Like this is not something you bring your kids to. No, like even the kids that were in the theater said to their parents, well, I didn't like that. Well, of course you didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't expect any child to. <laughs> I think if Marvel wanted, uh, wanted to make gun put things in volume two we would have seen thanos <laughs> probably you know that that to me is like definitely in guardians volume one like that's why thanos is in there you know yeah and to set him up more for the future and that, yeah and in when we talked about our rankings i think i said that was one of my biggest problems with it was he felt uh-huh. kind of shoehorned in yeah um and what's interesting is in the second one that We've we've talked about this multiple times. The shadow of Thanos looms over to yeah more than he's actually in it. So well, and um, it felt in that in volume two, it felt like he actually had more of a presence than volume one. Well, yeah, because you know, like, because of that, because of the conflict between Gamora and Nebula that we we connect to and relate to more than oh, there's the big bad. He's he's coming in a few movies. Um, we actually see the effects of that trauma on individuals, and I just. Yep. 
I love that that kind of that the same the same ideas come over to this as well, and he obviously is interested in in coming back to these ideas in all of his movies. Um, but I I absolutely loved this. Yeah, um, I did too. It it strikes me as something that's going to be easily rewatchable. I've only seen it once to this point, but I can imagine myself watching it again. Yeah, the entire um, the Odenheim sequence, especially like when it starts raining, the whole the whole screen goes white with the yeah. rain. Everything just looks like it's out of a splash panel in the comets, mm-hmm. or like when Nanawe like rips that guard apart, it looks like it's straight out of a comet panel. Yeah. Oh yeah, the stylistic choices of you know giving scenes quote unquote names and having the environment kind of display mm-hmm. what they're what they're calling this next portion of the film or whatever yeah, it felt, was it, really brilliant. I think if those weren't in there, this would have felt like it dragged on a lot more, but they felt like comic book issues. Yeah, like, it was like it each, was really like, cool. Like every chapter was a new or every arc was a new issue of the of the Suicide Squad uh graphic novel. And going back and watching the first half of it, like I didn't even realize an hour had had passed with how much it had happened. Yeah, because I mean, they jump straight into it. There's no like it's like, here's the the mission. Go. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so that's really cool. And they break it up with flashbacks and. (laughs) <laughs> when they did like the eight minutes earlier and then showed like what <laughs> like why the building blew up <laughs> that was yeah. good <laughs> it's clever but yeah i i love this movie i'm hoping james gunn gets to either do another suicide squad or something else with dc i'm sure he's gonna do something with dc but no well, matter what it is i'll be there he's directing he wrote all of the peacemaker series right. and he directed all but one episode i think or is directing all but one episode. So he's he has a heavy hand in that. Yeah, so um, that would be interesting. I'm curious to see what apparently after he's done with Marvel, he wants to come back. After he's done with yeah. volume three, he wants to come back and work with DC again mm-hmm. because of how much freedom they gave him. And they tend to give their uh, directors in general. Other than yeah. uh, Ayer's problem and uh some of Snyder's problems, but uh that's a different yeah. story for another day. Mm-hmm. Um soundtrack in here was fantastic. Yeah, it uh, was really good. Like when I say this is the most punk comic book movie I've seen, that just sold it for me. To uh, to go from uh, Johnny Cash to Kay Flay to the the freaking Fratellis. Yeah, that one was a <laughs> shocker to me. I didn't expect to hear that song. <laughs> no, I, I never thought I'd hear that song again. And yeah, it just throws it in casually. And I said, I absolutely adore this and love this. I just. I can't wait to watch finish watching it again. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to watch it again either. So, you have any other thoughts? No, I don't think. I mean, I'll I'll be back in in theaters and ready to watch whatever James Gunn's ready to throw at me next. <laughs> That's for sure. So yeah, I, th- I think I've said just about all I have to for right now. Um, studios, comic books are weird. Just embrace how weird they are and have fun with it. Not everything yep. has to be boring dark gritty agreed just have fun with it we all want to have fun with the movies this was fun so so for john i'm jared thanks for listening to uh dc infinity watchers uh the dc (laughs) dcu version of infinity watchers mother box watchers the mother box watchers there we go maybe that's what we'll start calling 
calling these specials is the mother box <laughs> watchers. We're not, we're not going to do this for every DC entry. Just those that we, uh, we want to talk about and uh, the ones that really speak to us or even tie into the MCU in one way or another. Yeah. Um, they're a fun time. They break up the pace a little bit. And I, I said this walking out of the theater, but it seems like as much as you and I like to talk about Marvel, it seems like they put up every three or four months, something pretty, pretty good, if not great. But then yeah. DC just comes in and drops bombs twice a year of this, of we're changing things up. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call, well, it depends on how you define. D- bomb, depends on what it is. <laughs> I mean, the average Marvel movie is better than most of what I've seen in the DCEU, but even though I'd say outside of, I mean, the, the, this is my favorite DCEU movie, but I mean, I also liked Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. Those are probably the five best for me, including this. My my top three right now are this, probably Birds of Prey and Shazam, or mm. Joker. Yeah, Birds Joker. of Prey too. Well, Joker yeah, and Shazam Joker. are kind of are kind of tied for me. Yeah, I wasn't considering Joker because it's kind of like a standalone sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. But anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next time to Motherbox Watchers <laughs> at a random date. We don't know when yet. Well, I think the next movie is Black Adam, like next spring. So <laughs> <laughs> tune in, tune in next year. <laughs> All right, guys, hang in there, have fun, and uh, be safe. Take care, everybody. Song used in credits titled Ox by Deathwish. Wish.